In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am I, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to say to our graduating seniors, I feel very honored to be a part of this day with you and to join in the honoring in your very special class. You will always remember what you navigated in this year and we will remember it too. Probably somewhere down the line, you're gonna do what I did. You play this little, you're gonna play this game of solitaire. It's gonna be not with cards, but it's gonna be with the high school annual. 10, 20 years from now, you're gonna get out your high school yearbook, your senior annual, and you're gonna start flipping through the pictures and you're gonna think about all your friends and the uh, crazy and characteristic things that they were into. And you're also gonna think about the things that they, uh, the dreams and hopes they had for their lives and some of their intentions. And then you're gonna sit there in that little moment of solitaire with the yearbook and you're gonna wonder how did it come out. I, I moved away from where I graduated and so I did have to do a lot of wondering and I, I hoped and I prayed that a lot of them, my friends, somewhere, somehow found themselves to the place where they felt like, well, their life was sailing true north. It all worked out. Uh, well, how does that work out? Some people say oh, it's all about fate or luck, good fortune, bad fortune. I, I would say there's something else involved in that, and it has to do with um, the voices we listen to. I mean, it's, it's confusing and clamorous. There's so many voices out there and, um, giving us this direction and that, and so we ask, uh, what voice am I listening for? The, this morning's scripture was about a voice. It was heard by a young man. His name was Isaiah. Early in his life, and as, as a child, probably a teenager, he had lived through the reign of King Uzziah, the greatest king since Solomon. And there was a time of prosperity in Judah. And then, well, the wheels fell off of the kingdom. And it was kind of sad. In the last moments of Uzziah's life, he, he lived in a leper colony. I think a young man like Isaiah who had looked up to Uzziah, it had to be a hard moment. And so what did he do? He went into the temple. Um, it, I can try to picture it in the description that's there. It's very vivid in the scripture. And the, uh, the air was thick, clouds of incense, and there were banks of candles and the flickering in the distance. And, and there's this moment of vision where you get the feeling winged creatures are whirling back and forth. And then uh, Isaiah puts his head down in the padded temple of his hands and he says, woe is me, I'm a person of, of um, an unclean lips and I'm a people of uh, 
unclean lips. But then the voice said, all is well, all is well. And then the voice said, um, whom shall I send into the world and the world is in trouble? And Isaiah said, send me. And the voice said, go. It's kind of like the telephone, I think, for like ringing in the night. You've had, had that happen, and you, you hear the phone there by your bed, and you wonder, why should the phone be ringing now, and who in the world can that be? And there's a voice on the other end, and the voice says, uh, something has happened, something's needed. I know you've got a lot on your mind. I know you're busy, um, but we need you to come. And Isaiah said, send me. And that's what he did. He went. <laughs> For over 40 years, under four different kings, he was truth-talking back to power, and he coupled his artistic poetry with uh, his ethical um, sensibilities, and he spoke about the social injustices of his day. Now, this, this right here, I want you to hear it this morning, particularly our graduating seniors. This is a call story. But it's, this isn't just Isaiah's story. This is our story. What do we say here on Sunday mornings? The word of God for who? Just some people, few? No, we say the word of God for the people of God. This, this is my story. This is your story. Seniors, I was looking at your pictures this morning, and I was seeing the names. and So many of you I baptized. Isn't that something? I was, I've been here that long. So many of you right here at this font. Uh, and that voice was speaking at your baptism. That voice was saying, you're not only named and you're not only God's beloved, but you're claimed. You know, you're, you're called to be God's person in and for the world. Now, I know some of you were so young at your baptism, you don't remember your baptism, but the church on your day of baptism say, oh, by the way, we're going to help these young people remember. Um, they're going to grow up among us. And we're going to tell them the stories of faith, and we're going to have remember what happened at their baptism. So someday they will say yes to God's yes, and like Isaiah, they're going to raise their hand and say, here I am. Send me. All of us. All of us some. Look, I don't think for a lot of us it happens as unambiguously, as dramatically as it did for Isaiah. It's trans admitted sometimes through a series of experience, something you're a part of, something that you read through a series of um, relationships. But somewhere along the line, what I hope has happened to all of our graduating seniors, you have felt that nudge that comes from deep within. I think we've missed that sometimes as the church. We've lost that wonderful ancient notion that all of us are in ministry together. Here's how we often set it up in the church. We get it wrong sometimes. We say that people like me, some of the people you've heard from this morning, they're called ordained people, and they're full-time ministers. You know, so what does that mean? Other people aren't, right? Um, in terms of livelihood, in terms of salary and all that, yeah, that, that's, that's professionally you could say that. But when we set things up that way, then people like me become purveyors of faith, and then what we call lay people become the consumers of faith. Here's what I'm pretty sure of. When we're at our best, our ordination is our baptism. You see. When we come rising, dripping out of those waters with the mark of the cross upon our forehead, we know we have been summoned to be God's person in the world. 
Here's the challenge. Remember what I said there at the beginning, there, there are so many voices out there, confusing, clamorous, speaking of other possibilities. Oh, you know, it's the voice of rampant consumerism that says, life is a bargain basement scramble. You go and get all you can before somebody beats you to it. You are a consumer and you can be counted on to um, purchase 5.8 automobiles and undertake 3.5 mortgages in your lifetime. Go out there and get all the trinkets and paraphernalia you can. Find them, buy them, keep them. I don't think I have to go do a lot of debunking of that voice, do I? I love that moment in Leonard Bernstein's mass where the singer sings, what I need I don't have, what I have I don't own, what I own I don't want, what do I want? Only Lord knows. Oh, but there's another version of that voice. It's kind of connected and goes something like this. Uh, look, the only thing that really matters is uh, finding a really lucrative occupation. And the only thing that matters about your work is what you get in terms of salary and status. And if it's joy or gladness you're after, well, just save that for the weekends. There's a lot of voices. Young people, old, we're listening to a lot of them and taking us in a lot of different directions. But here's the commonality of a lot of those lesser voices. I think they're asking us to settle for something less than what God had in mind, less than what Jesus had in mind when he talked about abundant life. I'm going to give you a little bit of sign reading, graduating seniors. It's a really good play. It's Herb Gardner's play called A Thousand Clowns. I love this one character in there. His name is Murray. Murray is kind of an unconventional sort of fella. He, He's moved about and he's had a lot of different jobs, but right now he's very committed to one thing, and that's his nephew, Norman, who's about 11, 12 years old. And he's been, he has partial custody of Norman, but now the social services people have come out and they're really pushing on Murray. You know, he's, a, he's trying to be a single dad. He's kind of been up and down, and they're talking about taking him away. Now listen, I want you to listen to what Murray says to the social worker. I just want the boy to stay with me so he won't turn into Norman nothing. I want him to be sure he knows when he's chickening out on himself. I want him to get to know the special thing he is or else he won't notice it when it's going away. I want him to know who the phonies are. I want him to show a little guts before I let him go. I want him to know it's worth all the trouble just to give the world a little goosing when you get a chance. And then I love this line. He says, this is what I really want. I want him to know the subtle, sneaky, important reason why he was born a human being and not a chair. That's what that voice was about that Isaiah heard in the temple. Luke talked about it last week, deep calling unto deep. Not just being human, but following God into this way of life in which we're fully human. Think about it. Every one of us here, right here in this room today, but all about their listening, we're all summoned to be a part of something larger than self, deeper than occupation, and broader than family. I want to tell you one of the fears I have as a minister. Um, 
It's the fear that young people will come through here at Central and they won't hear that voice that Isaiah heard in the temple or the voice of the eagle mounting the gray wind. But then, you know, sometimes my fears are assuaged Then I realize, well, a lot of us are in this together and God had this genius. He was a genius to incorporate us into one body so that our ears know other ears and eyes and minds and heart to help us to hear that voice. Before we close out on all this today, um, I want to just suggest two obstacles that possibly are going to get in the way, not just hearing the voice, but living into it. One is this kind of interesting business of thinking that circumstances uh, that circumstances are going to have to be different. They're going to have to be better before we can join in Isaiah saying, send me. You know, say, okay, there may be a voice that's summoning me, but um, in the meantime, I can't really be into that. Not until I get out of school or until I graduate, until I have time to um, get a little more experience, or until the children are grown, until the mortgage is paid off, until the new job comes. Until then, one thing's pretty sure. This life, these present circumstances, are not all that God had in mind for me. And if that life is not yet, then how can I give all that I have? Look, I don't know where Isaiah was about in life circumstances. I do know he grew up, unlike a lot of the other prophets, uh, in a rather cultured, aristocratic home. But here's one thing I'm pretty sure about in the sixth chapter. He's writing as a very young man. But you know one thing I don't hear from Isaiah. I don't hear him say, well, God, get back to me when I have a more complete resume. Here's what I have. Here's where I'm at. Send me. Here's a key teaching from this, um, this scripture. Right here, right now. The life that God is calling us to live is the life we're living right here, right now, regardless of the circumstances. Whether you're 18 years old and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen next fall, whether you're an 88-year-old senior who's trying to figure out how to be a Christian um, in a time of separation and isolation, it's all the same. We're called to live right here, right now. But here, here's one more obstacle. It's not just we're waiting for the right circumstances. I think sometimes we're waiting for a little more information, a little more specificity. What does it mean to play out God's purposes in my life? Does it strike you, the interesting thing about this teaching and about this moment that Isaiah had in the temple, that he really doesn't get a lot of specific direction. He said, God, the voice says, there's a world out there in trouble and out there in need. Whom shall I send? And then Isaiah raises his hand and the voice says, go. Well, go where, go when, and go in what way? I know sometimes I'd like just a little more help in terms of particularity, specifics. I'll have people come to me. I know they're very sincere. I think they're genuine. And they'll say, you know, Rob, I've been really wrestling with a lot of this. And I really, 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 really want to know exactly what it is God wants me to do. And I think often that's genuine. Tom Sine said, though, we have to be careful with that. That becomes the game of passive availability. It's where we say, God, I'm yours. I'll go where you want me to go. As soon as you knock me over with exactly what that is.
I don't want you to think I'm suggesting this morning that the pursuit of particularity and figuring out God's word for us is uh, not worthwhile. Look, we're called to live our own lives, to search for that unique shape of our lives in communion with God. And I think that search does become, take us to particular places. Long bouts of prayer and talking and listening to God, looking at the people that have come before us, paying attention to where our own gifts collude with the needs of the world. Yeah, pay, pay attention to those things and we'll get some help along the way. But here's one thing I'm pretty sure of. I don't have to wait to have all those answers. Okay. At any given moment of my life and your life, I know enough. I know enough to see the path that I'm called to live, right? Every moment of our lives, we know that we're called to love God um, fiercely, to uh, love our neighbor unconditionally, to love ourselves scandalously. And I know enough to know the kind of forms that that could take in my life. You know, that might mean that I volunteer to um, teach a forgotten child how to read. It might mean that I'm seeking to give up a grudge so that I can forgive and so that I can reconcile. It might mean for a moment I stop bottling up my resources for my consumption and I open myself generously to the world. At any given moment, I know more than enough. There's this old tough, uh, kind of hard-nosed preacher that had a lot of sense in him. His name was George MacDonald. He said, obedience is the opener of eyes. He said, if you want to know more about what God wants for your life, why don't you try using what you already know? Okay, place to start. I was thinking back about my life when I was pretty close to some of the age of our graduates. It actually was about two years before your year. I was 16. Uh, it was summertime. I, I hadn't heard any voices like Isaiah had heard, but I will say this. Somewhere along the pattern of my life, my relationships, I'd felt this kind of inner nudge. That I, I'm just going to call it some sense of urge or, or call, but I wasn't sure what it meant. I, I wanted a little help. I wanted to know, you know, was I going to be a coach? Was I going to teach history? Was maybe, maybe be a minister? And what would I do and where would I go? I, I wanted some help. And so it was summer youth camp. You know, that's where you're going to get help. And now this, this is going to be a time a lot of this is going to come together and the light's going to go on. And so I showed up at the different worship experiences and nothing wrong, but just still wasn't there. One night, though, I think our cabin counselor said, you know, some of you, I don't think any of you, he said, have gone down our path to silence. It's, it's a half-mile walk, and it takes you down by the lake. And he said, you know, it wouldn't hurt some of you to try a little silence. I think it was a little sarcasm in that, but I took it as kind of a nudge, and I said, well, maybe that's where it can happen. So it was the last day of summer camp, and I went at a time I was pretty sure nobody else would be there on the path. And Took the half mile walk and I got there. I can't tell you what I prayed. I can tell you what the prayer was about. I just, I wanted God to somehow make the purposes more clear. 
I didn't hear anything. <laughs> didn't really feel anything. But then there was this phrase. I, I think one of the speakers had used it, and it just kept percolating its way to the surface of my thinking and my feeling, and this is that phrase where the minister or the speaker had said, each one of you is called to be God's person in and for the world. To love as you've been loved, to give as you've been given to. That was my answer. Oh, I know, I don't guess it was everything I wanted. I guess I wanted a fortune cookie kind of answer, like, you know, Rob, finish high school, finish college, and then take the first train to seminary, something like that. But here was my answer, and it was enough. I'll always remember that place and that moment. Uh, I just sensed this deep conviction that my name had been called, that I'd been summoned, and that I'd been loved. That was enough. That was enough, like Isaiah, to get up, to keep growing, to keep going, and trusting that more answers would come along the way. Seniors in high school, seniors in life, on the other end of life, may we all know that, um, that we've been summoned. We've been called to bring whatever we have and to whatever we know, and to join with God in increasing the abundance of life on this earth. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me. And the voice said, go. Go.